This episode of Yap is sponsored by Olay Body. Why do you shower? The most obvious answer is cleanliness, but there's way more to it. If you listen to Yap, you know that cold showers can improve your energy and increase your alertness. But I bet you didn't know that taking a shower as part of your morning routine can positively influence your mood for the rest of the day. For me, feeling fresh and clean helps me increase levels of mood-boosting hormones like serotonin, which ultimately leads to improved confidence, better overall mood, and motivation throughout my day. And now my showers are even better since Olay just launched a new collection of skincare-inspired body washes that are designed to treat a variety of skin conditions, like Olay's soothing body wash with vitamin B3 complex and oat extract, which is specifically made to soothe eczema-prone skin. And my favorite part about it is that it's completely fragrance-free and it leaves me feeling super clean without a sticky, filmy residue. You need to give these Olay body washes a try. They completely changed how I thought about my body care routine and my shower. You can find Olay body care products in the store or online. Olay Body, fearless in my skin. You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. This week on Yap, we're chatting with Trent Shelton, former NFL player, author, and speaker. Trent is considered one of the most groundbreaking motivational speakers of our era, and he's touched millions with his words of self-worth, self-love, and recognizing your greatness. After a rocky, short-lived stint in the NFL, Trent had an opportunity to speak at a church. It was his first speaking experience, and his world changed forever. He had a sensational performance, and it was undeniable to the audience and to Trent that he finally found his true purpose, to inspire others to live better lives. He started creating YouTube videos with his words of wisdoms and created the tagline, It's Rehab Time, which went viral. Before he knew it, Trent was speaking across the globe and packing arenas from New York to London to Fiji and reaching over 50 million people across his social channels. In today's episode, we discussed Trent's time in the NFL, what it was like pivoting to something completely new and how he was mentally able to let go of a failed dream. We also discuss how it can get lonely at the top, when to walk away from relationships, and we go deep on some timely social justice issues of today. Hey, Trent, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. So excited to talk to you today. Hey, Hala, thanks for having me and uh, giving me the opportunity by sharing your platform. I appreciate you. Of course, of course. So you have had a really cool journey. You know, you started your career off in the NFL 
And um, now you're an author, you're a best-selling author, you're a speaker, you're a podcast host. You do so many cool things in terms of motivating and inspiring other people. But I want to talk about your journey in the NFL because essentially your identity was based around football your whole entire young life. And then you finally achieved this huge milestone being in the NFL what was that like? Was it everything that you had hoped for? And, and and what was that like actually achieving that milestone? And then help us understand what that experience was like overall for you. Absolutely. So um, it definitely felt great achieving it. I mean, it, it's been a, it was a childhood dream since I was, I mean, I can remember I had two older brothers. So I always tell people like I probably came on my mom's wound, <laughs> wanting to play sports, just chasing after them. And so making it there was great. You know what I mean? Because it's just like you dream of it and you see it on TV and, you know, to actually, you know, make that dream a reality is super cool. But just to be straight up with you, you know, it was a dream coming true that ended up turning into a nightmare real quick because yes, it was everything I thought it would be, but at the same time, it wasn't, you know what I mean? It, it's, it became more of a, a business and you'll hear athletes talk about this a lot, you know, when you start with peewee football, you're just having fun in high school and in college and politics start to get more into it. And then it becomes more of a business. I mean, it is your job. It's basically your nine to five. And it kind of took, for me at least, the fun out of it. Then obviously my journey of going from team to team, getting cut eight or nine times, not knowing if, you know, one day I'm going to be in a certain city. I might not be in that city the next day. So uh, it was very tough um, as far as finding security and who I was. And actually just knowing my worth, you know, that was probably the first time in my life where I really questioned just who I was as a person. Yeah, because you had been so good at sports and everybody had expected that you were going to be this breakout NFL player and you got there and I think you got cut like 11 times. So it was lots of ups and downs, right? So how did it feel in terms of like your friends and your family and everybody who was kind of always... I'm sure because you were in the NFL, everybody was always like, oh, Trent, you know, my cousin's in the NFL and and made everybody feel really proud. So, like, was that really hard for you? Absolutely. It was hard because my identity was that, you know, I was Trent, not the human being. I was Trent Sheldon, the football player. I was Trent Sheldon, you know, the cousin that played at Baylor or with the Colts or with Seattle. And, you know, it's, it's no shade to anybody because obviously they're just proud of the accomplishments that I made. But I started to wrap my life around that. And it was just this this thought that I know a lot of athletes deal with. It's like, okay, this is my everything. And if I lose this, who will I be without it? You know, who would I be without that title? And once I started to lose that title from my name, you know, I started to find a lot of depression. I started to find a lot of hard times because I felt as if I had nothing more to my life because that was my everything since I was four or five years old. I can really relate to that. Um, when I was in college, I worked at Hot 97 and I was Angie Martinez's assistant and I dropped out of school for it and I worked there for three years and then they fired me after three years of of dedicating my life. And same thing, like I felt like I was, everybody knew me as Holla from Hot 97, Holla that was hanging out with all the celebs and I had the coolest life. And then that was torn away from me. And it's so hard when you, when you tie yourself to something and not like what's inside of you. Like you tie yourself to like a brand. Like I tied myself to Hot 97. You tied yourself to the NFL. So I want to talk about this depression piece that you were talking about. You have a really famous phrase called uh, suppression leads to depression or something along those lines that I've heard you say multiple times. Explain that because I think you isolated yourself from your family due to some embarrassment and things like that. Explain to us how that led to depression and how you got out of it too. 
Absolutely. Um, so me getting cut during the fall was pretty tough because, you know, I mean, I live in Fort Worth, Texas, and I mean, we know the statistics of people making it to the NFL, point zero zero whatever. And I mean, especially in your city, it's not many people and everybody knows you. And so with me being back home in September, I couldn't go out because if I'm out, then people are going to ask me questions like, why are you here? Aren't you supposed to be in any? Don't you have a game today? And so I started to keep myself sheltered in my room in my parents' house because I didn't want to face that reality. I often say this, you know, I was running from the war in my life trying to win certain battles and it doesn't work like that or trying to win the war running from my battles in my life. What I've learned is that anything that you don't face will end up you know, really haunting you and finding you. Reality doesn't change. It just stays there and waits for you to come back or it chases you down. So I became quiet. I became introverted. I didn't give my pain a voice. And what you suppress, just like anything, if you keep something, you know, if you feel something up and you just never let it out, you have no releases in your life, then over time, what happens is that you explode. And for myself, you know, that's what was happening. You know, I, I wasn't exploding uh, in public, but internally, I was thinking about suicidal thoughts. I was questioning my faith and all these things. So I tell people all the time, and when you're going through hard moments, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And so you need to find an outlet, find somebody that you can relate to, because this is the thing too, Hala. I mean, we often think that our pain is special and I'm not undermining anybody's pain out there, but there's somebody in the world that's been through what you've been through or been through worse. And as long as you keep it silent, you will feel like this pain is unique to you. You feel like there's no answers. You're the only person going through it. But as soon as I open my, my mouth up and open my voice and ask for the magic word help, I start to realize that there were other people who've been through what I was going through and gave me the guidance to be able to get through it. So um, I'm a big believer in not suppressing anything because if you suppress it, it doesn't go away. You just got to sleep with those things and those thoughts end up haunting you. So you ended up talking to someone, you asked for help. I know you have a, a new book, a recent book called Straight Up, and you talk about a story of how you almost drowned when you were younger. Can you tell us that story and how it relates to asking for help? Yeah, for sure. So it was about maybe nine years ago, eight years ago, and um, I was doing a mud run. And I don't know if you're familiar with those, but like the Spartan races and all that. So I was doing that. And uh, to kind of make this story short, you know, I was the moment I ran before I didn't prepare for it. And I was like, I'm an athlete. I'm going to crush this. And I was actually a, a personal trainer at that time. So I had a group of people I ended up getting in last place. And so like my pride was like, man. So the next race, I was like, I'm going to train for it. I'm going to go all out. So I do it and give everything that I have. And so at the end of this race, they had a um, you have to climb up this wall. And they had a zip line. And I wasn't thinking about how deep the water is, how tired I was, how far the swim was, how cold the water was. So I ended up ziplining and I dropped into the water. And as soon as I hit the water, I knew I was in trouble because my body went in shock. Like I got a full body cramp. I don't know if you ever had one of those before, but I couldn't move. I couldn't swim and I knew I was in trouble. But I'm a man. Like I'm an athlete. I can't ask for help. I can't be the person out here that's like drowning. And so my first few helps were kind of like, for, the first one was silent. It was like, okay, people are going to see me. Nobody saw me. The second layer of help was like, I'm just going to call like in a cool way, like help, you know, raise my hand, try as much as I could. That didn't get the response. And so I literally got to a place where I was like screaming, like help, help, help as much as I could as I was going under the water, back on top of the water. And I guess obviously I'm alive. So I guess that's a spoiler. But uh, somebody jumped in that wasn't even supposed to even jump in and they helped me. 
and they got me out. But how I relate that to life is a lot of people are drowning in their life. But at the end of the day, nobody will save you unless you save yourself first. So what I mean by that is, yes, people will help you get out the water. But if you never call for help or you don't even try to help yourself, then nobody's going to come to your rescue more than likely. And so that's what that taught me in life is like, hey, do the necessary things to keep fighting, but also raise your hand and say, hey, man, I need help with this. And usually help will be there at some point. I think that's a really powerful lesson. And I know that you lost your college roommate to suicide. And unfortunately, he didn't raise his hand to ask for help. So when it comes to those types of situations, when you don't necessarily know who in your life is struggling as hard as they're struggling, like what are the warning signs that people give off when it comes to struggling with their mental health? And how can we help other people get the help that they need if we're worried about them? Like, Yeah, that's a great question. So the best way I can tell you when it comes to people is, is patterns and who they are personality-wise. So if you have a person that's an extroverted person and then all of a sudden they're super introverted, um, you have a person that's always around and they stop coming around. Uh, you have a person that just when you feel it in your heart, and I don't know how to explain this, but when you get around somebody and there's plenty of people that I've came across and people, even with, with me going through my struggles, like, man, I just feel like it's on my heart. That's something, you know, something you're struggling with. Don't ignore that voice. Because even with my friend that committed suicide, I've saw signs, you know, as I think back, I'm like, man, I saw a sign there, but I ignored it. I saw a sign there, but I ignored it. And so I would just tell people, like, as you know somebody in your life and you know, you know, just that personality, who they are, when you start to see changes, especially even the slightest change, but dramatic changes, there's something going on there. And the best way from that I would tell people to help other people is just ask them certain questions. Or matter of fact, don't even ask them if they're okay, because more people are going to be like, I'm all right, even when they're not. You know, take that person, maybe take them for a hike, take them for a walk, maybe take them, if it's a faith thing, take them to church, have that conversation, open up about your life. Because the people that helped me the most weren't the people that necessarily were like giving me advice. It was the people that opened up about their struggle that made me comfortable to open up about mine. And so uh, I do that often. If I see somebody like, hey, man, you know what? I'm dealing with this in my life right now. And that opens up the playing field to be like, okay, I'm not being judged. It's a safe space for me to share what's going on in my life too. I think that's really, really excellent advice. So let's take it back to when you were cut from the NFL, I guess for the last time, like how did you know it was the last time? Like, did you throw in the towel or was there no other option? Like, did you decide it was over for football? A little bit of both. So the NFL, you probably get three years to prove yourself when you're trying to make a team. And I was on my third year and I got cut from the Redskins. The way I was cut, you know, it wasn't like you're not good enough. It was more like, hey, stay up here for a little while. We, ha we have to bring another guy on because somebody got hurt. We're going to bring you back. We really like you. And then the three weeks came around and it's like, hey, we changed our minds to numbers game. And so after that, I continued to try to pursue to play football. And there was this league called the UFL. They have some minor leagues now, XFL, all these different leagues. And I made that team. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, this is going to be my entry back into the NFL. It's like a basically like the minor leagues uh, for major leagues for football. And I made the team. And within the next month, the whole league folded. It went out. Of, so at that moment, I was like, okay. I went to arena football. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stay with arena and I'm going to. But at that time in my life, 
Do I think I could have made it back and had a chance? Probably so. But I didn't love it anymore. And I realized that I wasn't hanging on to football because I loved it. I was hanging on because I was afraid who I would be without it. And once I made that decision in my life to let it go, I mean, obviously my life changed forever. But uh, once I knew in my heart that I didn't love it no more, I knew that it was time for me to move on from it. I think that is so powerful. And I know that you often say a phrase that goes like, you are your purpose, right? Not that you have a purpose, you are your purpose. So I thought that was so deep. And, and honestly, I resonated that with that a lot. So what is your purpose? And then how did you discover that purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have a different spin when it comes to purpose, you know, because that's the question that I get all the time. My book, The Greatest Shoe, is actually a chapter that I rewrote, the last chapter I rewrote, because I was like, man, I have a different perspective towards it. So I always say, I am purpose. And the reason I say that is because I don't want to use the word mistake, but that's the word that comes up. The mistake that we make sometimes is that we tie our purpose to things that really aren't our purpose. So, for example, I tie my purpose to football. Do I believe purpose? Football was my purpose at that time in my life, but I lost it. And so when I lost football, I felt like I lost my purpose. Purpose is something that I don't believe that you lose. Purpose isn't an external thing. I believe purpose is an internal gift. I believe purpose is who you are. You were born on purpose for a purpose and you were set apart. And so when you have that mindset, you realize that I can take my life anywhere, anywhere and use my life for good. I believe the purpose that we're all created is to bring betterment to this world. And so what a lot of people chase is placements. The NFL was my placement, not my purpose. Rehab time now and me being a speaker is my placement. It's not my purpose. I might have a different placement down the line. And I don't want to get too in because we'll talk forever about this. But there's a few things that people tie their purpose to that they make a mistake in. Right. And I'll just talk about a few. One, people tie their purpose to profit. And they feel like, oh, if I'm not making enough money, this couldn't be my purpose. They tie their purpose to position. Oh, if I don't have the CEO title, if I'm not high up in my company, this couldn't be my purpose. Are they tied to price? If I'm not getting recognition towards this, then this couldn't be my purpose. And I always like to tell people, man, your purpose is not tied to those things. Your purpose is tied to these things. Your past, the things that you've been through qualifies you to be able to help people get through other things. Another thing that that I feel like purpose is tied into for people searching for it is problems. What problems are you passionate about solving in this world? And so the more you can tap into those things, the more I feel like you can use your life more effectively to be able to live your quote unquote purpose and find the right placements in your life for your life to be used most effectively. Yeah. And I think that once you find once you solve problems and you're passionate about it, the profit will come like that will always come down the line once those things are aligned. So totally agree with you there. So let's talk about how you ended up becoming a speaker, because from my understanding, you are an introvert. You don't seem like it at all. I mean, for you guys who don't know Trent, he's got over 600,000 followers on YouTube. He's got 2 million followers on Instagram. He's up there on stages with, I think, Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and folks like that. And so he is out there and you would never know that he's an introvert. So Trent, first of all, how did you get over being an introvert? And how did you get your foot in the door with speaking? I always preface this because to let people know uh, I'm an introvert because I'm, and listen, maybe I'm an ambivert. I think that's like the middle. You could be both. Uh, I'm not shy. So I told people, don't confuse introvert with being shy. I'm just a really, I'm a person that's quiet, a deep thinker. But my dad, he always, even to this day, my dad trips out. 
um, my dad literally tells people, like, if I was a betting man, I would definitely bet that Trent would be the least person to be a speaker out of my three boys, like hands down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because when my parents would hear me speak, they'd be like, man, is this is this Trent? So how I became a speaker and I don't want this story to take forever, but I got invited to speak. at Take an your event. time. We want to learn from you, Trent. OK, cool. I got invited to speak at an event. So I've always been I love music. So I, I rapped. You can call it entertainer, whatever it may be. I've always loved uh, music. I always loved to speak on things that I was passionate about. And so my friend, uh, his name is Jonathan Evans. That's a big church in Dallas, Dr. Tony Evans, Oakland Bible Fellowship. They had this, this youth event. It's called the Cage Event. It's like maybe two, 3,000 kids. It seemed like 20,000 to me. And he asked me to speak. And I'm like, bro, like I can rap for you or something like that, but I'm not being a speaker. And he was like, Trent, he was like, I've talked to you in private. I'm around you. And his whole family, even though his family, I mean, his family, sisters and brothers, they're all phenomenal, either artists or speakers. He's like, man, I'm around it all the time. You have a gift. He's like, I see something inside of you you don't see in yourself. And at that time, I was like, man, I hope you see me getting signed to the NFL or something like that. Not this. We go back and forth. And to kind of fast forward this story, I'm like, OK, I agree to it. And I had five minutes. At that time, it seemed like five hours to me. <laughs> and the whole night before, I don't know if you've ever been like this, where I like prepped my whole speech. I knew it. I knew my memorized talking points. <laughs> memorized it. Every, I'm like, I'm going to kill it. So I get out there, I grab the microphone. You already know what happened. Like stage fright. I forget everything. And all I see is a bunch of teenagers. And I know those teenagers because I was that guy looking at me like, what is this dude going to talk about? And why is he up here just being quiet? At that moment, I, I said these words. I still say these words even before I got on this interview. I said, God, use me. And I always say, you can sink or you can swim. That's my trigger word that has me move into my confidence and my courage. I open my mouth and I speak for those five minutes. After I get off the stage, my JE, which is John, he says, bro, he was like, this is your gift. And all these kids come up to me after. And I was actually supposed to go to arena football the next day, by the way. But I called my coach. I said, I'm not going. And that was the moment where... I realized that this was what I was called to do, right? This was my placement at this time in my life. And I want to be clear with people. I didn't have a big following online then. Maybe 15, 10 people were watching my videos. I had just started rehab time. I wasn't the, the person that the world sees today. But I walked into it and it changed my life forever. Literally within the next six months, videos started to go viral and this whole rehab time thing started happening. And uh, it started with me walking into my biggest fear, which was public speaking, which is, you know, the number one fear in the world. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with to look up how to solve their problems 
to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far, I've generated well over $500,000. And the best part is I didn't have to figure out how to set up my mastermind subscriptions, how to do abandoned cart targeting and all of that tech geeky stuff. I just left that all to Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And if you're in that, I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify Magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell anything, anywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to the other options out there. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., including huge global brands like Allbirds and Thrive Cosmetics. It took me a day to set up my Shopify store. I set up chat, took two minutes, and I was done. One month from thinking of the idea to implementation, a year later, I've made half a million dollars on the idea. That's what it takes in 2024, just a good idea and then utilizing a platform like Shopify that can help you make it a reality. There is no excuse these days. If you've got a good business idea and you think you'll be a good entrepreneur, you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be super techie and you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. 
Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. That's so incredible. It's so incredible how you weren't naturally good at that. And you kind of like stepped into your power and realized that you just want to help people. And that kind of gave you the motivation and the confidence to actually go out and do it. And you left behind like years and years of work. And so I I want to dig deeper on that because you spent your whole life preparing to be a football player. And it must have been very difficult to then just turn around and change careers. And I'm sure there's lots of people who, you know, they may have gone to school for years and years to become a doctor and then change their mind. And it's such a difficult decision. So how did you like make that decision in your head to just pivot and Do you have any regrets that you focus so much on football in your younger life? Or do you feel like that helps you now, like what you learned? I believe everything is building you. I think everything is building you for your next level if you allow it to. So the thing I tell athletes is, man, there's no better, I feel, avenue that builds confidence, perseverance, emotional resilience in sports, that builds teamwork. And if you think that you're losing something, you will never focus on everything that it gave you and the gains that you have. So like for me as a speaker, you see the athlete come out. You see that. You see the, the there's no, I tell people, people, are you scared to speak in front of people? I was like, yeah, but now what's pressure is third down in front of a hundred thousand people and you got to catch the ball. You know, everybody's dependent on you. So it prepared me for these pressure moments when I look back. And so the thing I would tell people is just think about that. How is those losses, quote unquote, how how did those things really build you for your next level? What can you take from that? It might be a relationship that you lost. What can you take from that to make you better for your next relationship or your next job, et cetera? And how I made the decision, it's funny because I made like a pact like with God. I was like, man, I'm going to call three people, three sets of people and you got to go three for three. It was 0 for 3, pretty much. I called my coach. He didn't understand it. I called my friends. They didn't understand it. And then I called my mother, and she didn't understand it at first until I told her, Mom, I never felt so... I remember like it was yesterday. I said, I never felt so much confidence in the midst of my fear, ever. And I was like, it's just the feeling, Mom, that I know this is it. I can't explain it, but I know this is it, especially when I don't even know sometimes where the words come from and when I'm speaking. And she said, baby, that is a calling on your life that I've already seen when you were younger. And so that's even, I can go back to that because ever since I was four and five, I'm my mother's youngest son. So I was the the one going with her everywhere to conferences, to crusades. She was big in her faith. And it would be people that would always speak over my life and say, you're going to be a great speaker. My dad's a pastor. You're going to be a great this or a great that. But I was ignoring that call because I was so focused on what I wanted to do that I didn't care about what I was called to do. So I kept sending it to voicemail like, nah, I ain't ready for it. Uh, I'm not a speaker. I'm an introvert. Uh, My past is too bad. Uh, All those things I was talking myself out of it, like so many of us do. And by me finally answering the call because my mother said those words, it changed my life forever. So I just want to tell the listeners, you probably have had call-ins on your life that you've been allowing your insecurities, your fears, your doubts 
to make you send that call to voicemail. And what happens is there comes a point, I believe, where the calling stops calling and that calling finds life in someone else. So answer it. Even if you feel like you're not prepared for it, answer it because the journey will always reveal what you need once you take that first step. That's really inspiring. Okay, so you start rehab time and I guess you started it all really with this YouTube channel, right? And so when did you, first of all, I guess, like were your friends and families naysaying this? Were, were they saying it's not really possible? Like you're never going to get any traction or were people supportive of you when you started? So my family was supportive of me for sure. Uh, my family, you know, I have a close family and I consider family blood and just people that, that are really tight with me. They didn't understand it, but they still supported it. And then I had, yeah, I had the people that were like, you're crazy. Like, what, what are you doing? You know, you're not, you're going to be nothing without football. Not those exact, those exact words, but those seeds were being planted in my life uh, when I first started. So no, nobody really got it. But um, I just talked about this today. God gave you the vision. You can't expect other people to see it or get it. Like if it's in your heart, you can't expect other people to see that and feel that. So they got it once, once it started gaining traction. This episode of Yap is sponsored by Olay Body. Guys, most of us are still working from home and not yet back at the office. And while it's nice to have all this flexibility with our schedules, it can wreak havoc on our routines. And in such uncertain times, it's more important than ever to create healthy routines. And that's why I think you shouldn't be skipping your morning shower, even though sometimes it's tempting to wait until later in the day. Those who shower in the morning or before they start their day tend to have a higher productivity level. If I don't take a shower in the morning, I feel sluggish, I feel unmotivated, and I know there's a lot of folks out there on a cold shower kick, but personally, I prefer a warm shower because it helps me relax my thoughts, it decreases my anxiety, and it even promotes creativity by giving me the space for some quiet and alone time with my thoughts. It's one of the only moments of the day that I'm not distracted by any pings and rings. And now my showers are even better because Olay just launched a new collection of skincare-inspired body washes that include premium skincare ingredients. I personally love Olay's soothing body wash with vitamin B3 complex and oat extract, which is perfect for eczema-prone skin. It's really hard for me to find a body wash that doesn't leave me feeling irritated, but Olay's soothing body wash with vitamin B3 complex and oat extract is extremely gentle and makes my skin feel so soft and so smooth and absolutely zero irritation. And the best part is this is truly a fragrance-free product. Fun fact, I only use fragrance-free products on my face, on my body, and I think that is the secret to looking young. In fact, I've been using Olay fragrance-free products since high school, and I often get told I look 10 years younger than I am. So thank you very much, Olay. I appreciate it. And you guys need to give these Olay body washes a try. They completely changed how I thought about my body care routine and my shower. You can find Olay's soothing body wash with vitamin B3 complex and oat extract and other Olay body care products in the store or online. Olay Body, fearless in my skin. This episode of Yap is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from being truly happy? Are you unable to focus and achieve your goals? Guys, nobody is perfect. We're all a work in progress and in different phases of our lives. There's definitely been times in my life where I really, really needed to talk to someone to help me get through a rough patch, but I didn't because it's not easy to ask for help. 
especially if you're an overachiever. In this episode, me and Trent discuss him almost drowning because he was too proud to ask for help. I only recently started going to therapy after my dad passed away last year, but looking back, I wish I had started talking to someone sooner. Don't ignore your mental health. Learn from our mistakes. If you want to talk to someone too, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. So forget about sitting in a stuffy waiting room. BetterHelp is available worldwide and super convenient. And you can start talking to someone in less than 48 hours. With BetterHelp, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, and you can send a message to your counselor at any time. It's affordable. It's less expensive than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available too. They have licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, and so much more. They can match you with a professional that fits your needs. And if for some reason you're not vibing with your therapist, you can switch counselors at any time. I want everybody out there to start living a happier life today. As a listener of Young and Profiting Podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash yap. That's betterhelp.com slash yap. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash yap. So let's talk about our inner circle. So I've had success with Young and Profiting Podcasts. So like, for example, like I landed the cover of Podcast Magazine January, 2021. Congratulations, Barbara. Thank you, thank you. If you talk to my best friends, they act like I'm a nobody. Like, you know what I mean? Like my best friends that I've been close with throughout my whole, since high school to now, I see them like every weekend, whatever. When I talk about my podcast, I feel like they roll their eyes. I know they're not going to listen to this. That's why I'm able to talk about it because they don't listen to my podcast anyway, right? So what is it about the people who are closest to us that they aren't able to see us for who we are and what we've achieved? Like, it's so funny, like the way that I'm treated with like my new friends from Clubhouse, for example, and when I have dinner with them compared to my best friends is so much different. So talk to us about that. And do you experience similar things? Oh, that's such a deep question. And I can talk for hours. You know, I feel like this is kind of like why people come to me, to be honest with you, just knowing your circle and then your environment. I always say your environment is everything. And just to answer your question, I did a podcast over this and I talked about like why your support system doesn't support you. And just to kind of touch on a few of those things to help people understand it. Number one, I think one of the main reasons that especially when it's people that truly care about you. They don't understand what their support means to your journey. And what I mean by that is that they, and this is saying more about them. They don't feel like, oh, if I share the podcast, it's going to make that big of a difference. Right. Uh, If I show up for you, uh, it's just me. So they don't understand what their support, um, the effect that their support has on the person. And we all know, like, even just, hey, I shared your podcast or I listened to it or I did this or I did even the smallest form of support means a lot when it comes from people that you truly love. Another reason is that, and this is probably the main one, some people are too close to you to see your greatness. The things that we are familiar with, we become desensitized to. So just think about, think about the things that you have in your life, like not people, but just things that are super valuable, but you're around it so much, right? That it becomes 
it loses its power because you're used to it. And I relate that to people in your life, right? So the people that have been around you since high school, middle school, you're just holler to them, right? That's all you are to them. I'm just Trent. And I get that. And, and honestly, I want to be carried as that. Like, I don't want you to put me on a pedestal, but they're too close to you to see just how great that you are. And a lot of people don't believe greatness can be that close to them. That's why it's super convenient to go support a celebrity that you don't know. Because for one, you don't see their imperfections. So somebody that's close to you, they see your imperfections. And we think that success, we think that, as I call it, legendariness, doesn't have imperfections. And so you might be the person. So for me, I might preach, hey, be consistent. And there might be a person in my life that sees me be inconsistent for a day or two. Not that I'm a hypocrite. It's just that it's real life. And so they might, uh, Trent ain't who he say he is. Or X, Y, Z ain't who they say they are. But when you see a celebrity, you're just seeing the highlight reel. Right. You're just seeing the Instagram reel, the, the filter version that they're showing the world. So it's easier to go support them than it is to go support somebody that's around you. But I want to say this, too, as I wrap this up on this topic, because I could talk for hours on this. Don't let that be your excuse to not go be great. Their lack of support has nothing to do with your level of success. I know you want their support, but I can guarantee you this. You don't need their support. Let me ask you this question. With all the, the people who listen to your podcast, what percentage of those people are probably strangers? Like literally 100%. Like only my mom and like my sister listen to my podcast. Nobody else does. It's so, it's mind blowing when sometimes when I think about it or like random people that anyone like middle school listen to my show. Like, you know, like just like people who are now strangers. And you just got the cover of a podcast January 2021, I was cover of Podcast Magazine. I'm one of the top female podcasters in the world. And the people closest to me don't even, they don't even acknowledge it. Like, we'll be out and people might recognize me or say like, oh, I've heard of your show. And my my friends don't like bat an eyelash. You know what I mean? They don't, like, you'd think that they would like brag about it or be proud of it, that their their friend has accomplished that. But it's not, like, to your point, they can't see it or maybe they feel a little bit jealous or inadequate or they don't want to acknowledge it because they don't want me to get the attention when we're out and and make it all about me because I have so much to, I could be like, oh, I just interviewed Matthew McConaughey. Like I have lots to talk about. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know. I think it, it is what it is. To your point, it doesn't make my success less than it is, but it does make me feel lonely. Like, you know what I mean? Is it lonely being an influencer for you in that regard? Where like, I feel like sometimes it's only, I can only relate with other people who are doing similar things because I feel like other people don't necessarily relate to what I'm going through. And the closest people to me don't want to acknowledge what's going on. Do you feel lonely as an influencer? I've had my seasons for sure of that, where I felt like, especially in my growth years, I mean, I'm still growing for sure, but especially, you know, I think at the beginning and and towards the even the middle of it, um, and there's times and seasons, but I felt that because a lot of people didn't understand it. And when you elevate your life, right, to another level um, and you move forward towards something else, you have to realize everybody that was in your previous level or in your previous season is not going to go with you. So now you have to find kind of a new tribe, right, in a different environment. And so I've been blessed in this space to be able to have, you know, different pockets of people in my life. So I have my friends that 
that I don't expect them to be in a personal development, nor do I hold them to that, right? And we just are friends, just just friends on, on just the level of like life. But then I have my people that are in, you know, to reading books and podcasts and growth and I can get around them and be inspired and held accountable. I have that pocket of people. And it took a little bit longer to find those that pocket, that environment, but um, it was necessary. And I just feel like when you walk into that space, you know, you attract, you become a magnet and you attract certain mindsets um, that you need. But yeah, you're going to go through periods of loneliness. But I feel like those are necessary because during those periods of loneliness, you get to learn how to be self-reliant. You get to learn how to be emotionally intelligent. You get to learn how to know yourself as you move forward and progress your life. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. So speaking on relationships, how can you tell when it's time to like burn a bridge? I know you have a whole chapter in your book, I think straight up called Burning Bridges. So how do we know when it's time to burn a bridge and walk away from a relationship? I do believe burning bridges is necessary. And the reason I say that is because there's certain bridges your life cannot afford to go back to. And I'll leave it with with that. If, If you know that there's no change. I, I always say never quit on progression. If you know there's no change, it hasn't been changed, you know this is not serving you or you're not serving them, then it's time for you to burn that bridge. Because when you keep bridges in your life that need to be burned, what happens is it drains you. What happens is it brings stress to your life. I like to call stress sickness to your life. And it prevents you from building the bridges that need to be built. And so if you ask yourself, this is, does this bridge, where is this bridge leading me to? That's the question. Where is this bridge leading me to? Because bridges are leading you somewhere, either to a greater you, a better you, or to a lesser you, or to a destructive version of yourself. And if you can 100% say it's not leading me towards the greatest version of myself or a better progressive version of myself, then it might be time to, to limit the interactions with that person or people or with that circle because it's not going to lead you to where you want to go in your life. So I think that's the question you ask yourself. Where is this bridge leading me to? And whatever answer you come up with, you know, uh, that's your truth. And I think it doesn't have to be dramatic. I don't think it has to be some dramatic thing where you break up with someone or you even let them know that you're distancing yourself. You just start to distance yourself from people who don't make you feel. My gauge is like, if I hang out with you and I feel like leaving or I feel like afterwards, I feel worse than I did before I hung out with you, then I feel like, well, it's maybe it's time to not spend as much time with you because you're hurting my mental health and I don't feel positive when I'm around you, you know? Absolutely. There you go. I think it's that simple. We just got to be able to listen to those truths and then make decisions moving forward and accordingly. So me and you both lost a parent last year. You lost your mother. I lost my father last May. I think you lost your mother last March. And so you're no stranger to pain. You know, there was a lot of pain, I'm sure, when you left the NFL and those dreams didn't come true. And I'm sure there was a lot of pain when you lost your mother. So how did you get over all these different really painful moments in your life? Did you come up with some sort of like a recipe to get over pain? And can you share that with us? Yeah. And, um, you know, you gained an angel. You know, that's what I want to tell you. I'm very... You know, I don't use the word sorry for your loss because I feel like you didn't lose anything you gained. And so I want to tell you that. And so I'm still in that season. You know, I lost my mom a few months ago. So I'm still in that, I'm still in that season of grieving and moving through. But I don't think it's about getting over. You know, I don't think it's about getting over the situation. I don't want to get over of my mom no longer being here. 
But I think it's about getting through it. And as you get through it, being able to change your perspective. And so for me, what's helped me in these last few weeks, these last few months, is changing my perspective and making my perspective my power and not my prison. And the first thing that happened when I've lost people and went through these emotional things, I mean, so two months ago, you might have known this, but I lost my mom two days after that. My daughter went to ICU. Uh, then a few weeks after that, I lost my grandmother. So that all happened in the month of March. And it was tough. And people have always asked, like, how did you get through it? And I said, well, I'm still getting through it. But what's helped me is focusing on appreciation. And I know that word is used a lot, but depression is often the absence of appreciation. And so the first thing that happened with my mom, like we all do, we go into the mode of regret. Dang, man, I wish I would have. I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have. I wish, I wish, I wish. And that keeps you in a place where you'll never heal from. It's a prison. Regret is poison to the soul. And so every time I have those I wish moments, I immediately disrupt that and say, man, I, I'm glad I got to. I'm glad I got to do this with my mom. I'm glad I got she got to see the book. I'm glad she... And it helps me focus on the beautiful moments with the people that I've lost. And what happens is they become more alive in your life than they've ever been. You brought up my friend that committed suicide. I wouldn't be talking to you right now if that wouldn't have happened because he was the reason why I started what I did. And so I would tell everybody that's lost a loved one um, or that's going through a, you know, a season of grief, honor that person. And the way you honor that person is how you lived your life. They planted seeds, whether those seeds were seeds of limitation, whatever it may be. I don't know the relationship you might have with your parents or your friends or your grandparents, but they ran their race and you have the baton in your hand and you don't want, you know, I always think about my mom, like she would be highly disappointed in me. I can hear her voice saying like, Trent, you stop running your race because I'm no longer here. I've been preparing you for this moment since you've been born. I've, I've prepared you for this by every seed that I planted in your life. Now it's time for you to go run your race and you go run a hell of a race to make sure that when you give the baton off to your kids, they have a lead on life like I gave you. And so I'm always thinking about that. And that's helped me be able to get through these moments. Do I still have hard moments? Absolutely. Every day is beautiful, but I still have bad days every day. I mean, bad moments every day. But I put that moment in a certain context to be able to help me, you know, get through. And I'm sure your mom is like beyond proud of you. You are so successful, so impressive, so inspirational. You help thousands and thousands of people every day live better lives. So you should be really proud of, I'm really proud of you. And I'm sure your mom is. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at Yap. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. 
And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm gonna like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I'm going to switch topics here and hopefully I'm able to phrase this correctly. It has to do with the news and everything going on in the world. So I'm Palestinian and there's lots going on in terms of human rights and everything going on overseas and Israel and everything like that. And as somebody who has a platform, it's been very difficult for me because I feel so torn because I know what's right. You know, there's occupation and apartheid going on in Israel and all these crazy things. But I also have sponsors like Olay and Talkspace and all these sponsors that I represent. So I feel like I am unable to speak my truth all the time. And so I know that, you know, you're a black man who has a lot of influence, a ton of influence, like if not the most popular black man in the personal development space right now. And you're on stages with lots of white men (laughs) all the time. And I always see you as like the one black guy with dreads (laughs) on a stage with a bunch of white guys. Right. And it must be a lot of pressure because I know that, you know, you have a huge platform and that you need to help just in general, this movement of people having equal rights, no matter what race they are, Black, Arabic, whatever it is. And so I'm sure that you can relate when all of this was happening with Black Lives Matter and everything like that. Did you feel any sort of pressure? Like you felt like you didn't know what you could say or what you could do. And I just say as little or as much as you want, but I think that this is an important conversation because I think that there's a lot of people who have a platform and in general just don't know what to do because they feel like their hands are always tied in terms of how open they can be about what they truly feel and how they want to kind of move the world in the direction that they want to move the world. I respect it and I appreciate you bringing it up. So I'm going to try to not bounce to bounce around too much. But the first thing for me is that I got to be true to who I am. And, and I don't want that to be an excuse for anybody not to, you know, just, oh, I'm just true to who I am and don't say anything. But you have to be true to who you are as a person. And one thing about me, and this might not be true for everybody, but I don't allow outside pressure, especially from the internet, to make me speak upon some things that Either one, I'm not ready to speak on. Either two, I don't understand. I have lack of knowledge of. Or just to speak on things that I don't even care about. And 
not saying that I don't care about important issues in the world, but even like doing the president thing and stuff like that, like, Trent, what's your, uh, what's my stance? And I always tell people this, my stance is how I live my life. So when you look at my life and you see what I'm around, you see that I have friends of different races. You see that my, my, my wife is Filipino. You see that I uplift women and, and give them the platforms that they may need to be able to, for if it's gender equality. You know, so many things, man, that I'm around that you see my life and what it represents. And so I tell people, yeah, I can go on here on, a, I can make an Instagram post and say something and then sit back and kick my feet up and not do nothing. Because there's a lot of social media help, but there's not a lot of real world help. And so I always tell the influencer, is so when the Black Lives Matter, you know, George Floyd last year, I told people, a lot of people called my phone. A lot of white influencers called my phone or hit me up and say, Trent, what do I say? What do I do? I said, listen, if you're going to take a stance on it, take a stance, but don't just take that stance because it's trending right now. Don't take that stance because people are putting pressure on you to talk about something that you don't even understand or even care about. Like, just be true to you and who you are. So if you're going to take that stance, understand what comes with it. And it's not about online. So I told them, I say, you know what, instead of just posting online, go to an inner city and go give back that way. You know, go do something to where you're actually making a difference. And I believe conversation is necessary. I believe I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't post anything. I believe dialogue and conversation is necessary. But I think what's more important is how you live your life and the reflection of that. And so I told my friends, like, you worried about people calling you racist, but your life shows that you're not. And what you stand for and what you believe in, your track record shows who you are and what you do and how you live your life. So I'm big on that. You know, and I know that's not like the popular thing to say to people because I get it all the time. I'm like, man, I'm not going to allow anybody to make to put pressure on me to make me speak upon some things that is just words. Come down and, and see how I live and what I do on an everyday basis. And then you'll see what I truly believe in and what I stand for. And it's not a trend. You know, I don't I don't like the whole I'm going to care about this because everybody on social media is caring about it. And then when it's not popular no more, I'm going to go on to the next trend. I'm just not with that. I'm wild. Like, if it's your life and who you are, you know, stand on that. Stand on what you believe in. Speak about it. You know, I made a spoken word called Divided States of America. I don't know if you ever saw it. I got so much flack for that, but it was all what out of love. What was it about? So it was about just that, like how we're divided. And literally the message was this. Love trumps all. We're all going to disagree. And one of my quotes from there was like, um, the problem that we have in this country, just in general, is that uh, we listen to disagree, right? We listen just to reply. We don't listen to understand. And it was just about that. Like, everybody's going to be different. Everybody's perspective is different. If I was raised somewhere where, you know, in a certain environment, I would believe that because that's what I'm a product of. And you can change that. But I always respect people because I'm like, okay, this is what they were brought up in. This is what they were around. This is what their parents raised them on. Let me try to understand this person so then I can maybe, you know, help this person. But we live in a world where nobody wants to understand. Everybody just wants to prove themselves right. And we still get it wrong. So that's what that was about. And people still didn't like it. But I didn't care because I knew the message was out of love and it wasn't to separate. It was to say, let's have a conversation and understand we're all different human beings. Yeah. So that's helpful. So basically you're saying like you, no matter what the trend is, you know, you do you, you kind of show who you are through your actions and through what you do every day. And 
not just what's said on social media that you share in your story or repost or whatever, or your, your black or blue squares, whatever, whatever squares you decide to put up that day. <laughs> yeah. And, and listen, if, if that's, that's what I'm saying. If that's your, if you feel convicted to do it, do it. So like every now and then I might speak up on some stuff because I'm convicted to do it, but I am not doing it because I'm pressured by somebody in my inbox saying, oh, you don't care about this because you didn't speak on it. Now I'm going to speak on something I don't know about or I don't even, I'm not convicted to speak on. And now you're speaking out of pocket, you know? So that's kind of my message to everybody. Like if you're convicted to do it, do it. And I think your point about educating yourself is key. Like before you speak on any topic, educate yourself, listen, like read, you know, have these conversations with other people to your point, educate yourself. It's super important. Okay. So the last question I ask all my guests, and this is your opportunity to give us a piece of advice that you haven't said yet on the podcast is what is your secret to profiting in life? I got to go with understanding what truly matters to you, who matters and what matters. And saying that, that is a, a branch off of a tree of fulfillment. Fulfillment is everything. When you do the things that truly fulfill you, then you will have an abundance of life holistically. And so focus on that. Don't focus on the things that bring you notoriety, bring you success, bring you whatever. And my definition of success is fulfillment. And so if you can say, man, this is truly fulfilling me, even if it's unpopular, even if it's not the trend, even if you don't get any recognition, even if you don't get followers from it, you can live a life of fulfillment. That's a great life because that life equals a life of peace. And I think peace is what we all seek for in different forms as we try to navigate this world. What does fulfillment feel like? How did, What does that feel like to you? So fulfillment feels to me that, that nothing is missing, that nothing is missing and I'm whole and I'm at peace and I'm not filled with anxiety because I know everything is going to be all right. And I know if I left this world today, I wouldn't have any regrets because I lived such a fulfilled life. And I did the things that I felt I was called to do. And I lived the life that I felt like I was called to live. That's what it means to me. You know, my mother taught me when you have purpose, when you have peace and when you have presence, when you're present, you know, live in presence, always be in the moment. You know, put down your cell phone and look what's in front of your face. Live in purpose. You know, that calling in your life. Live in peace, whether that's nature, whether that's disconnecting, whether that's meditation, prayer. When you have those three Ps, you have fulfillment. And so I often do that check-in with myself every week with those three Ps. How was my peace this week? Did I live in presence this week with my family and those that I love? Did I live in purpose this week? If I know if I can say, yeah, I did, I know I'm moving to that fulfillment that I seek. Mm, I love that. The three Ps. Thank you so much. And where can our listeners go to learn more about you and everything that you do? Absolutely. Um, just at Trent Shelton, any social media site. I have a podcast called Straight Up and uh, TrentShelton.com. Thank you so much, Trent. This is an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you always know when we drop a new episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Trent. I certainly did. And the biggest learning for me today is that it's okay to pivot. And sometimes pivoting and letting go of an old dream is the best possible thing that you could do for yourself. Let's take Trent, for example. 
He grew up thinking he was going to be a successful football player. He spent his whole young adult life training and spending time to become the best football player he could possibly be. It's what everybody knew him for. It's what all his friends and family were most proud of him for. It was his identity. But his dream wasn't panning out in the NFL, and that must have been so tough. But it wasn't until he let go of that dream and he was open to new opportunities that he actually became a true success. When his friend offered him that speaking engagement at a church, he didn't just, you know, pass it by and didn't just say he was too scared to give it a try. He went for it. He went on that stage. He spoke in front of 5,000 people and he gave it a try and it sparked a new passion for him. And he realized that he was meant to help inspire others. And then he started a YouTube channel and he had no experience creating videos or creating content, but he just went for it. He learned along the way. He took a chance. And then now fast forward a few years later, he's got 50 million people across all his social channels. He's one of the most sought after speakers in the world. And it's all because he was open to new opportunities and he decided to take a chance and he was willing to pivot and believe in himself enough to pivot. So when it comes to dreams, letting go can sometimes feel like giving up, but I want you guys to understand that giving up is not abandoning yourself. It's honoring yourself. And I think that one of the best talents that anybody can have is knowing when they should trade in an old goal for a new one. And then not trading that goal that didn't pan out as a failure, but rather looking back and appreciating what you learned during that experience and extracting what you can from that experience that didn't work out to then use again later in the future. So Trent is using stuff that he learned in the sports world and NFL to help him as a speaker. It's not directly related, but certainly, you know, his work ethic, his dedication, all that kind of stuff now helps him later in life. So I want you to walk away from this episode realizing that sometimes you need to let go of something good to get something better. And at the same time, Your failures are often a blessing in disguise and you have to be willing to take action. You have to be open to the opportunities that surround you. That's also a big part of it. Nothing is going to fall in your lap. And if you like this interview, I want you guys to go check out my throwback interview number 45 with Jonas Koffler. He's the author of Hustle, The Power to Charge Your Life. Here's a sneak peek of that episode. The heart should be one of the huge pieces that guides us or moves us forward. If you think about what really drives you and motivates you, deep down, I think people, everyone wants a sense of validation or recognition or respect. Those things are vitally important, a dignity. And the, the piece about the heart, the theme is very simply packed up in the first unseen law of hustle, which is do something that moves you, right? So this idea of movement, energy, physical manifestation, that only comes from the heart. The heart you know, pumps our blood through our body and oxygen allows us to, to do the things that we need to do on a daily basis. But so many of us are out of touch with that and frustrated. And so I think the thing is to start, start at the center, which is the heart. And the heart of life and the heart of the experience is to do something that charges your life with a sense of energy, enthusiasm. And for us as entrepreneurs, this idea that we can actually change the world right? In our own small way. And that all is baked into this idea of doing something that moves you. So for those who are feeling stuck, tap back into the heart, get out of your comfort zone and start doing something that moves you. And maybe just place some small bets on yourself. 
Again, if you want to tap back into your own heart and your own purpose, I encourage you to check out number 45, Hustle Your Way to Success with Jonas Koffler. And if you haven't subscribed to Young and Profiting Podcast yet, what are you waiting for? Make sure you do that so you can be alerted every time we drop a new episode. And we love getting your Apple Podcast reviews. Reviews are the best way to thank us here on Young and Profiting Podcast, and they act as social proof, and they largely impact our podcast rankings. So if you haven't left us an Apple Podcast review, please make sure you do so. And if you don't have access to Apple, you can drop us a review on Podbean, CastBox, Podcast Republic, wherever you listen to the show and you can drop a review or a comment. Either one works. We'd love to have your feedback. So as always, I'm going to read a recent review. This one goes out to Molly. She says, resources and tools for everyone. I stumbled on this podcast from listening in a clubhouse talk. Holly was interviewing Dr. Jack Schaefer, who is a human behavior expert. And it was a very interesting topic because you can apply these tips to personal and work life. I love the way Holly will reiterate the answer that the guest says so we can understand in layman's terms. I'm still going back to all of her old episodes and listening to them. So far, I'm really pleased with everything. And she's amazing on Clubhouse as well. Thank you so much, Molly. I'm so happy you enjoyed my live episode with Dr. Jack Schaefer. That one's called Detecting the Truth, and I put it out a few weeks ago. Dr. Jack Schaefer is the only guest on Yap, which has come three times. So he's been on the show three times. That goes to show how much I love him. So I highly recommend that episode. Everything that that guy says is gold. So again, that's Detecting the Truth with Dr. Jack Schaefer. It was a Yap Live episode I put out a few weeks ago. I highly recommend it. It was an awesome episode. We got really great feedback like this from a lot of different listeners. And if you guys want to be featured like Molly, please remember to subscribe to Yap and give us a five-star review on Apple, CastBox, Podbean, Overcast, wherever you listen to the show. Reviews are really important, guys. That's why I stress it. And make sure you tag us on social media. Share the show on social media. Share it with your friends, your family. Make sure you spread the word about Young and Profiting Podcasts if you find value in the show. And of course, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm in there almost every day hosting rooms. Big thanks to the Yap team as always. This is Hala signing off. Off.